Hello, everybody. We're here for the first of our series of Summit podcasts. And I'm pleased to say I'm here with my friend, Michael Quinn, the founding partner of Q Advisors, the leading cloud and managed services investment bank in the US, and probably internationally nowadays, Michael. Would it be fair to say, wouldn't it? No, I think certainly by a number of deals done. Absolutely. So it's a great time to be talking on this with all the activities that are going on. We're going to get into more detail of some of the deals and some of the things that are happening. But firstly, you're going to be a sponsor for the Growth Tracker, the upcoming CloudCom Summit. Could you give us a quick overview of what the areas you'll be discussing in your panels and what people can expect to learn from the sessions that you're running? No, absolutely. Yeah, no, we're excited to be sponsoring both the launch and the growth track. And we're going to have two tracks. We're going to have a, a track that deals with M&A and financing. It's going to be run by my partner, Jerry DeHaven, who's as active in the space as anybody. And then I'm going to run the, uh, the international track, really focusing on European roll-up opportunities and, and really where people are fishing uh, to do that. And what we're... Uh, our panels are almost set. We've got some great uh, uh, companies who've been very acquisitive in the in the uh, in the sector, both in the U.S. and internationally, like uh, Chris McFarland, the CEO of Maestrogy. We've got uh, some private equity guys going to speak on the panel as well, who've been very active in the space. So, we're, so we're quite excited about. It. Great. And there's probably not a better time to be talking about this. Nearly a day doesn't go by with some sort of deal being announced. Most of them that you're involved in, to be honest. But why are we seeing so much M&A, both you know, on the supplier side and on the service provider side? What are the kind of key drivers? Why are we seeing it happening right now? Well, I, I think a few reasons. One, on the, on the, this, on the, serve, on the supplier side, and you, know, you obviously have had the MyTail deal this week with Searchlight. You had the Cisco Broadsoft deal. There's a few others in the as well. You have the Swix deal uh, that we worked on earlier this year. I, I think what's happening is people really uh, are over any kind of fear about cloud adoption. And so what you're seeing is folks comparing uh, suppliers who have very good and robust cloud products to those that are on-prem based and saying, hey, we really, uh, these are good companies to bet on uh, in terms of growth. And then you've got the older companies like the Avias of the world who are now buying cloud contact centers. You're going to see pickup uh, people who are specializing in fixed mobile conversion um, because there is just tremendous adoption uh, of cloud as opposed to on-prem. And then I think on the, on the service provider side, it's really twofold. It's a land grab in Europe. And then in the U.S., it's it's a synergy play. It's a consolidation play, right? If I'm I'm a, uh, an enterprise-focused customer, I may want a customer base. I may want to buy a company who has other types of products and solutions that will appeal to that. Um, and so I, I think those are the driving forces behind both the European and the uh, U.S. M&A activity. From, from our end, what's interesting is it, there's as much private equity activity as there is strategic. So if you're listening to this, Michael, and you're a service provider right now and considering either acquiring or selling your business, do you think it's a good time? I mean, is it a good time? Do you think the valuations have peaked on some of these businesses? So that's one of the reasons we're seeing service providers looking to sell. 
or is it a good start time ready to, to do something like consolidate other providers like what we're seeing in, in, in Europe where people are trying to consolidate all, all them or, or to provide a, a European service? Is now the time to sell for some of these guys? Is it going to be the peak of their valuation, do you think? I think between now and 2020, you know, the next two years, it's really going to be uh, a land grab, uh, both in terms of uh, bigger companies acquiring smaller businesses to get a geographic or product supplement or, or synergy place. And so if you're a 10 to 20 million euro pound or US dollar revenue company, it's going to get harder and harder to compete with the guys who are two, three, four, five hundred million dollars, just in terms of their purchasing power, their marketing spend, and the like. And there's an opportunity, given that there's so much private roll-ups going on both in the U.S. Uh, and in Europe, that a lot of the smaller company owners can and management can get two bites at the apple. Right? Maybe they sell a majority, sixty, seventy percent to a buyer, and then take some stock back end right so that they get to uh, participate in the growth of the larger company as well so you know if i'm gonna wait until 2020 to sell my business and i'm trying to build value in my business we see various valuations out there from people like ring at the top end and, and others lower down which look quite amazing in terms of the differences what are the areas where you know you should try and build value what are the things you should do that banks and people are going to look at in terms of what a service provider needs to have a high valuation. What's the areas that kind of listeners on this on this podcast should focus on? Yeah, I think if you're looking at KPIs that both strategic and, and financial uh, buyers look at are five or six of them. One is ARPU. What's the size of the client that you're billing? You know, if you're at two, three, four, five hundred dollars a month, very different than you're at five thousand dollars a month, right? Second thing is how many services uh, are your customers taking, right? Because that affects churn, but it also affects uh, the ARPU. Third is growth rate, right? There's this idea of the rule of 40. Can you grow? You look at your EBITDA margin plus growth margin. Are you a fast-growing company that's not profitable, like a Ring Central, or are you a company that's a bit more balanced, a little less growth, but you're, you're, you're adding money to the bottom line. The other thing is, do you have a proprietary or defendable technology? And, and the last thing that we're seeing a lot of is kind of a focus on API, API integration, because I think there's a realization that you don't have to build everything yourself, that you can integrate with best of breed uh, solutions, um, but you need a platform agile enough to do that. And then perhaps lastly is depending on what market you're in, like in Germany, you need a hybrid solution, right? And if you look at the guys who are doing well, uh, SWIC and Starface, they have both cloud, virtual, hybrid, and on-prem, and you need well, that. Well, so we couldn't really go through this podcast without talking about what happened last week. We've obviously seen Mitel deal announced. Why do you think somebody like, a partner like Searchlight would look to invest in somebody like Mitel? Is it because they can see some extra value they can drive out of it? Why would you think somebody like those guys would look to acquire Mitel? So the Searchlight guys are one of the smarter uh, telecom and software investors in the U.S. and uh, and, and globally. Uh, historically, they've been much more on the service provider side. So uh, I wasn't surprised that they would be uh, a group that would look heavy at Mitel. Uh, I think 
what was surprising a little bit for me was that, uh, you know, Mitel has a lot of legacy uh, products still. And so I think there's probably a bet that they can really convert a lot of the legacy clients to more of the cloud solution. Um, I think, um, you know, Searchlight and Cirrus were rumored to be bidders for Broadsoft. Um, and so I think this was a, a way for them to get into the space, um, yet they paid more for Mitel than I think Cisco paid for Broadsoft, which, you know, is a little interesting from a, from a, a perspective. Broadsoft, obviously, all cloud. Uh, Mitel, a lot of legacy. So the, I guess they, they believe that they, by taking them private, they can cut some costs and make it more profitable, make it much more of a growth engine than it is today. And I guess with the change, they'll be out of the eyes of NASDAQ. They won't have to react quarterly. They won't have the requirements in terms of performance. So that making the change to a cloud company with less scrutiny than, than if they were a public company, as a private company, might give them more flexibility to make that move. I, th- I think that's right. And given the fact that, you know, they still probably haven't integrated the short tail combination, uh, you know, there's probably some stuff that needs to be done. But one of the things we're seeing, and obviously it's particularly happening in Europe, is the consolidation with consolidators appearing and a couple of them speaking on your panel. People you've worked with, people like Evolve IP and Destiny. Do you think that trend's going to continue? I mean, is it something that you're seeing a lot, people looking at building pan-European providers? I think we're seeing it uh, a lot in, still in both the U.S. and uh, and in Europe. So we we closed eight deals in Q1, and uh, and five of those were in Europe in the cloud space. And I, I find that interesting. And then if you look over on the U.S. side of the pond, uh, you've got Courtsquare uh, investing in momentum. You've got uh, you know, Evolve getting very active in Europe. You can see Masergy starting to get active, I believe. Um, and you still have a number of consolidation plays still going on here in the U.S. Um, so I really think that um, uh, we just started to touch the tip of the iceberg, right? Most of the, the M&A deals have gone on in Holland, the U.K., uh, a little in Germany. So you haven't seen much going on yet in France. You haven't seen much in Southern Europe. Uh, there's still a lot of opportunities in, in the Netherlands, uh, as well as uh, uh, in other parts of Europe. And, I, and, and, and we haven't even touched Eastern Europe. So I think that, uh, uh, or Scandinavia, so I think you're going to see a lot, a lot of activity over the next 24 months. Right. Well, thank you, Michael, for being our first um, Summit podcaster. We're going to have a series of these podcasts in the coming weeks. And we're going to look forward to seeing you at the CloudCom Summit in end of June in Washington. And really, thanks a lot. Cheers, mate. All right. Thank you, Matt.